He's one of the only two men who actually have technology and armor. We'll find that later in the story. But Saul doesn't go. Saul doesn't go for a very good reason. There's a reason he is scared. It's found two chapters before. You see, Saul had been sent out by God to deal with an enemy of Israel. And Saul disobeys. Not only does he disobey, he disobeys big time. And so when Samuel confronts him, Samuel has to say, I've got a message from God. And two things have happened, Saul. Number one, your kingdom will be removed from you. And secondly, the Spirit of God which came upon you when you became king. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit which has been indwelling you is going to be taken away. And at that moment, the Spirit of God leaves. Saul is all alone. The Spirit of God no longer indwells him. Heart to heart. Have you ever been in that dark place, believer? Where it feels like God isn't there? When it feels like the Spirit of God isn't upon you? That dark, dark place. And how fear grows in your heart in that moment. But the fear has to run when you're reminded that no, He who has sealed me has given me the Holy Spirit, will be there with me to the end. The one who said, I will never leave you, never forsake you, said he would be there. And you're reminded and the darkness begins to flee. For Saul, the darkness just stayed. The fear camped out in his heart. So when he saw that giant, what was going in his mind was this. Is this the man who will take my life? I would be fighting this man in my own power. He's bigger. He's stronger. He has better technology. Is he the one who ends my reign? And it scares him to the core. He's frightened. Notice what happens, though. In verse 15. Now David. And it says that David was sent by his, his dad. Three of his brothers are already there. David's the youngest. They're already there. And David shows up. Now what would happen in that day is you would send your youngest son back and forth to send supplies. You see, unlike the army of today where they feed you, you were fed family food the whole time. Your family was required to take care of you. Your family was required to, to minister to you, and they were also encouraged to take care of those over you, to show respect. And we see this happen right here. David has to go, and you see what David uh, did. Look at uh, verse 17. One day Jesse said to David, Take this half bushel of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread to your brothers, and then give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. 
See how your brothers are getting along and bring me back a letter from them. In other words, I want communication. All right, kids, if you're ready to go to college, if you're taking off, I want to tell you something. Communicate with your parents. They want it. Jesse wanted it. Talk to them. Give them a call. Call collect even. It doesn't matter. So David's brothers were there, and we see in verse 19 that David shows up. And David leaves his sheep. He goes and he arrives. And then we get down to verse 22. 21 says that they're staring at each other, army against army. Verse 22, David leaves his stuff. Now look at verse 23. As he was talking with them, he saw Goliath, the champion from Gath, come out from the Philistine ranks and shouting his challenge to the army of Israel. Now the reason why Philistines were fighting Israel was because of Israel's sin. You see, Israel was told to take over the land in stages. As they grew, they would take over more. They would take over more. They would take over more. God didn't give them the whole land in the beginning because they didn't have enough people. So he told them, take it over. But because of their sin and because of the book of Judges where we see that they wandered away from God and time and time and time again, they, they took steps back and instead of taking the land as they were called to do, they have now retreated. And now they're having to rebuild. So we see there that the giant comes out. Look at verse 24. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men were asking. He comes out each day to challenge Israel. Have you heard about the huge reward the king has offered to anyone who kills him? The king will give him one of his daughters as a wife and his whole family. And this was the big deal. Get this. This is the big deal to them. And his whole family will be exempted from paying taxes. It's not so exciting to be, you know, a son-in-law of the king because, in fact, you're out of taxes. Well, David talked to some of those standing there to verify the report. What will a man... Now, I want you to hear this. What will a man get for killing this Philistine and putting the end of his abuse of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of... And here's what I want you to underline. Of the living... God. You see, when Saul lost the Spirit of God, a few days later, David is anointed king, and it says the Spirit of God came upon him. David, because of the Spirit, can see things that ordinary people miss. Friends, you and I have that Spirit. Here, here's what I want you to get about the living God. Here's how David knew that his God was living. You see, at this time, there was a tabernacle in the center of Israel. And the Spirit of God was very visible in the tabernacle. When they came from Egypt, it was fire by night and a cloud by day. But there were visible signs that God was living in the midst of his people. That's what it means to have a tabernacle. God living in the midst of his people. So the people go, yes, we have a living God. Now, 
Goliath had a God of stone. He had a God of rock. He didn't have a living God. Now, the tabernacle, which was the sign of God living among his people, will be replaced by the temple. And when, when God moved into the temple, I mean, it was fire coming down. It was very apparent that God was there. But we find as we get into the major prophets, there comes a time that God walks away from the temple. And at that time, they enter a period of time called the 400 silent years. God doesn't speak for 400 years. And then he speaks. And we saw that in John 1. In the beginning was the Word. And it says the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. That Word became flesh is the word tabernacle. God living among his people. Now when Jesus leaves, you're going, okay, so what happens? Well, in Acts chapter 1, we start finding out. God sends his spirit upon us, his Holy Spirit, and the moment we accept Jesus Christ as Savior, that spirit indwells us. And we have a living God within us. God lives among his people. This is what David's referring to. The living God. But notice, because he could see, because he understood, he understood what was going on. This was not a battle between Goliath and whoever. This was not a battle between Israel and the Philistines. This is a battle of the gods. Who is the greater God? And that was the mindset of that day. Anytime two armies fought, whosoever God was stronger won. Now it's interesting. There is a battle that will happen later. And the Ark of the Covenant, which was the symbol of God, some of you may remember Raiders of a Lost Ark. That's what I'm talking about if you're not familiar with the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, which was the symbol of God, was captured. And it was taken into a temple. And every night they would shut the doors of this temple and the rock gods would all fall over. And finally they started falling over and breaking. So they took the ark and they said, the, the people go, we got to get rid of this. This is going to destroy all our gods. And so they put it on a cart and it went back to Israel. You see, God's a living God. And the rock gods, the god Dagon, the gods Molech, they, they had no chance against the living true God. So David, seeing this, Saul sees Goliath, David sees through the eyes of the Spirit, he sees that it's a battle of the gods. You know, David then takes the moment and he, and he begins to understand that Saul and Israel had forgotten God. And so I want to give you right now the two points, the two things that David had that made him the man that God would use. Number one, he knew who his God is. The people God uses are the people who know who their God is. And number two, the people who God uses are the people who have settled in their hearts 
who they are going to worship. Saul and the Israelites were worshiping all over. David had settled in his heart, I'm going to worship the one true God, and that's it. He's the living God. He's the God of power. That's the God I'm going to worship. And the people God uses are the people who have settled who they are going to worship in their lives. But Saul had forgotten. David had forgotten. David hadn't forgotten. The Israelites had forgotten. But David knew. And so David keeps walking around. And you need to hear the incredible response in David's voice. What do you mean? David's thinking, why aren't they lining up? Why doesn't every man in the Israelite army go, let me at him? We've got God. I don't get it. Because he's seeing with the eyes of the Spirit. But you know what? They forgot. And when you forget God, you begin to rely on technology and skills. When you forget God, you, you try to rely on things you can do. Something that convicted me many years ago was I heard this story. There was a group of South Korean believers who came and toured the churches in the United States. And at the end of their tour, they were asked this question, what did you think of the American church? And the response was this, we are amazed how much they can do without the Holy Spirit. Ouch. You know what? We could market, we can do this, we can do that. But friends, I never want us to be a church that has forgotten their God. I never want us to be a church that doesn't rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to do what God has called us to do. We're not going to rely on the ways of man, we're going to rely on the ways of God. Because church without the Holy Spirit is not a church. Believers who do not yield to the Spirit of God within their life are doing it all on their own. And when we see the giants come, we turn and run. But because David could see him, something different happened. Well, he keeps going back and forth. I, I love his older brother. I'm an oldest brother. I, I could see myself saying that to my little brother. What are you doing around here? Verse 28. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and dishonor. You just want to see the battle. Here's David. I want you to think of your best little brother voice. What have I done? I haven't done anything. I'm only asking a question. And David gets called before the king. Verse 32. Don't worry about a thing. I'll go fight him. <laughs> Saul's like, don't be ridiculous. You can't go against him. You're a boy. He's been training for this since he was a boy. But David persisted. And friends, I want you to get this. There was a movie many years ago by Disney called The Flight of the Navigator. And in that, this ship 
is connecting with this boy so this boy could fly the ship. And he's, the ship says to the boy, well, we used to put all the star charts in human brains, but we don't do that anymore. And the little boy's like, well, why? And they said, well, we found that the brain leaks. Friends, the older you get, the more it leaks. All right? And our faith is that way, too. Our faith's that way. Saul looks at him and says, how do you know God's going to back you up? He says, let me tell you a story, Saul. I'm a shepherd. And when the bear and lion come to get my sheep, I chase after him. Guess what? A shepherd was not required to chase after him. All he was required to do was go and pick up the pieces so he could show the owner of the sheep, yeah, we got, we got hit. He was never required to go fight the lion. He was never go to, required to go fight the bear. And uh, friends, I want you to get this. A bear is anywhere from six to ten times stronger than a human. A lion is about six to ten times or more stronger than a human. You don't run after them. If you do, you're called food. And you don't, you don't grab them by the face and hit them in the head with a big stick. But David does all the wrong things. And God saw him through. When you're facing the challenges of your life, I want you to just take a moment and say, God, I know you've shown me things in the past. Show me where you've been faithful to me in the past. Remind me of how you've worked in my life. Remind me how you work in me. Remind me how you've helped me overcome. You see, the problem is we begin to forget. And when we forget that God's been working in our life, we forget to have faith in that he can take us through whatever he's taking us through. Let's go on. Here's Saul. Okay, you can go. May God be with you. It's like, see ya. I won't be seeing you again. And then Saul says, but before you go, I'm going to give you the only technology I have. I got a bronze helmet, a coat of mail, and here's a sword. Let's see what you can do. And he puts it on, and he's just kind of clunking around in it. He's going, I can't do this. I'm not going to put my trust in this. And he takes the helmet off. He takes the mail off. He drops the sword. He grabs his stick and his sling. And he heads down, stops at a brook, picks up five smooth stones. Why five? Because he's a bad aim? No, Goliath had some brothers. And he was prepared to take them all on. So he puts them in. Notice the fight. And I need to hurry because I'm just having too much fun preaching. It says in verse 41, And Goliath walks out towards David with a shield bearer ahead of him, two on one. Talk about unfair. Sneering in contempt. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you should come with me with a stick? And get this, and he cursed David by the names of his God. Remember, this is a battle of the gods. Come over here. I'll give your flesh to the birds, the wild animals. Look at verse 45. David shouts in reply, You come to me with a sword, a spear, a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. 
This is my protection. This is my power. Not me, my God. I know what's going on. It's a battle of our gods. And friends, you're outclassed. And Goliath, he goes, I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you. And then go down to the end of verse 46. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. When a person has settled who God is and who they're going to worship, their whole desire is that the world may see the God who's alive in them. Have a question for you. How's that going? Do people know that there's a God alive in you? And everyone will know the Lord does not need weapons to rescue his people. It is his battle, not ours. And the Lord will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, I love this. David ran quickly out to meet him. He didn't run away, he ran forward. Did you get that? Uh, Greg, you know, when you have a giant, you run that way, not that way. Nuh-uh. David just wanted a closer seat to see what God was going to do. He knew who was in charge. He knew who was going to win. And friends, when God has us, when we understand who he is and we know his power and we know that we're doing what he wants us to do, we want to run to get a front row seat on seeing what he's going to do. So he takes the stone out. It hits the giant in the forehead. And when the Philistines see their champion beaten, they turn and run. You see, David learned the art of gaze and glance. He knew the giant was a problem. But when his gaze was fixed on God, it wasn't a problem anymore. For he knew that his God was bigger than his problem. When you fix your gaze upon your God, when you've settled who he is, when you've settled who you're going to worship, you receive the grace you need to face what's ever in your life. As we close, I want you to remember this. David here is also a picture of Jesus. You see, we have Jesus, and instead of freeing his people like David did, Jesus frees the world. Instead of facing a human giant, Jesus slays the giant of sin and death and the grave, he's defeated the evil one. Instead of freeing his people just for a short time like David, Jesus sets his people free for all eternity. So if you want to be a person that God uses in the face of giants, I'm going to ask that you would settle in your heart. Who are you going to worship? Are you going to worship him? Do you know who he is? Do you know his power? Do you know his greatness? 
And if you do, I want to challenge you. Remember God's faithfulness and live big. For you will see things from God's perspective and you will attempt things from God's perspective that don't make sense from a human perspective, but you see between the lines, you see the battle that's going on. Secondly, always remember the battle will always belong to the Lord. Remember, it's always about Him and not you. Remember to gaze and glance. Focus on the greatness of your God and glance at your issues. And in God's grace, run toward your giants. The God who will never leave you. The God who will never forsake you. You see, God wants to use his people. But he wants to use a people who know who he is. And a people dedicated to worshiping him and him alone. Father, we ask that you would be with us today. Thank you for allowing us to dive into your word and to see that this wasn't just a battle between a boy and a giant, but that it was a battle of the gods. And anytime it's a battle of the gods, you're going to win because you are God. We've sung to your majesty. We've sung to your greatness. And so help us now in this place settle once and for all who are we going to worship? The gods of this world or the God above all gods? In Jesus' name, amen.